Welcome back to Ask a Pastor. I'm Rayshawn Graves, a pastor of a church in Richmond, Virginia. And today I want to think about the question, what role does the church play in racial reconciliation? Racial reconciliation is a term that's been around for decades. It speaks to the need for racially divided people to be brought back together in relational harmony and unity. It's a term that's certainly been used outside of Christianity in America, but it gets used a lot within American Christianity as well. And contextually, when it's used, it mainly speaks to the historical and present racial division that exists between white and black peoples in this country. And the concept of racial reconciliation isn't something that's foreign to the Bible. While race is a social construct that came onto the scene around the 15th century, ethnicity and ethnic division has been around as long as sin has been in the world. So ethnicity is good, right? It's how God created the people in this world in his own image. But when sin enters into the world, it causes image bearers to distort the image of God in one another by creating lies of superiority and inferiority on the basis of ethnicity or even skin color. And so scripture addresses racial and ethnic division in this way. It's sinful. It's a product of this fallen world. In the book of Genesis, people of different ethnicities came together at what we know as the Tower of Babel to make a name for themselves in an attempt to be greater than God. And in their defiance and disobedience to God, we see that God came down. He confused their languages and then scattered them throughout the earth. And so they were already a people who were separated from God. But what happened after Babel caused them to be separated from one another. And so you see division and disunity exist among Amongst peoples that's carried out in many sinful ways, such as things like oppression, dehumanization, war, genocide, ethnic discrimination, and more. God's eternal plan of redemption has always been about drawing all kinds of people to himself in unity and in fellowship with him and each other. And we see his desire for that most clearly in his covenant with Abraham, where God says that he'll bless the nations through Abraham. And so in Jesus's life and ministry, he aligns with God's mission as well as he moves towards not just Jewish people, but people of other ethnicities and nationalities as well and calling them to believe him. And so when Jesus commissions his disciples before he leaves the earth, he commands them to go to all peoples and every nation in their making disciples. And as they begin to do that in the book of Acts, we see this kind of reversal of the Babel event back in Genesis as the Lord speaks to peoples of every nation under heaven in their own languages through the mouths of his disciples. And more than that, one of the gifts that God's spirit gives to the church is the ability to speak in the languages of other people with interpretation so that they might hear about God and believe. The apostles in the early years of the church, they dealt with the reality of ethnic reconciliation as the church was made up of people who were once formally divided. And so these people, including the apostles, they didn't change overnight when it came to being affected by ethnic division. But God was committed to reconciling them and giving them peace with each other through Jesus in the same way that Jesus had given them peace with God. And in the last book of the Bible, the Apostle John sees an innumerable multitude of people from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb, which is the full realization of God's plan to bless the nations through the seed of Abraham, Jesus. And so the Bible shows us the reality of racial and ethnic division, and it also shows us that God is committed, deeply committed to the work of not just spiritual, but ethnic and racial reconciliation. 
Where people were once divided along the lines of ethnicity and race, God sends his son to live, die, and be resurrected to reconcile peoples to each other so that they can live with and enjoy God forever. So that's how the Bible speaks to racial division and reconciliation. But what does this look like for the church? Well, when we're specifically thinking about racial reconciliation in our context in the United States, where there's been a deep and sinful history of division that's come as a fruit of things like white supremacy, reconciliation is also a really deep and difficult work. The racial division that exists in our country has roots that aren't merely relational, but also structural. The construct of white superiority came about not as a conflict between two equal parties, but in the oppression of black people and other minorities by white people for the purposes of power, profit, and even manifest destiny. Laws and policies were established that had significant negative implications on black people and non-white people. Historical, biological, and theological lies were told about them that contributed to their oppression. And it was from these sinful and structural realities that relational division flowed out along with violence, brokenness, discrimination and distrust that continue to have destructive effects and implications even into the present. And so reconciliation is a work that requires not just relational repair, but also restorative justice for injustices that were experienced. I think that one of the ways that the church continues to misunderstand the work of reconciliation is by only focusing and recognizing and addressing the relational division that exists largely between blacks and whites in our country. That's usually when you end up with postures approaching our racial division like two siblings fighting instead of viewing it like Cain and Abel. So what is the church's role? Well, the church can address racial reconciliation in two ways. But first, it needs the right posture. Based on the work that Jesus accomplished legally and relationally for people who were divided from God and who were divided from each other, the church can pursue racial reconciliation, not from a place of trying to achieve peace and unity, but from a place where we see that peace has already been achieved. The book of Ephesians chapter two says that Jesus has become our peace and he's broken down the dividing wall of hostility that stood between us. That's a reality that's true for everyone who is trusted in Jesus. And so from this, we engage in the difficult work of reconciliation. And so firstly, the church can pursue racial reconciliation by addressing the racial injustices and the structural realities that have caused and perpetuated racial division. This might make for some difficult conversations at times, but by talking about these things and these realities, the church can develop a more holistic understanding about the nature of sin and how it affects people, even God's people in this world. We don't have to shy away from the most grievous and shameful and painful moments of our history in fear that they'll divide us. We're most likely already divided in some ways. And so by doing this, by having these hard conversations, we can mourn, we can lament, we can confess, educate, and even repair some of these sinful realities. The gospel gives us room and freedom to have hard and difficult conversations and still maintain the unity that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so by acknowledging and being informed about the ways that racial injustice affects our neighbors, the church as an institution might not be able to change legal structures, but it's got people within it who God has called to make a difference in these settings. 
with biblical conviction for righteousness along with a gospel drivenness and an understanding of systemic sin, followers of Jesus in the legal or political sphere can display the character of God in the pursuit of societal justice. Followers of Jesus who are also members and citizens of a democracy can also use their voice and their vote to change laws and policies that have historically and presently discriminated against people. But more than this, and this gets to the second point, the church can pursue racial reconciliation by displaying the love of God to one another and to the world. Again, much of what's racially divided us in this country has been structural, but racism carries relational implications as well. Everybody just getting along may not happen in the world around us, and justice should happen regardless of that. But there should be no question about love for one another amongst followers of Jesus. Dr. Martin Luther King talked about the law not having the power to make someone love me, but it does have the ability to regulate their wicked behaviors. But the church has the power of the gospel, which transforms dead and cold hearts to seeing God and people in a new way. This hasn't always been the case for people who profess to be followers of Jesus, especially when it comes to racism, which is why the church needs now more than ever to emphasize the teaching that human beings are created in the image of God. And that to be a follower of Jesus means loving your neighbor, not just the person who looks like you, thinks like you, votes like you or lives near you. The church is called to love our neighbors with the transformational love that we've received from God in the gospel through the person and work of Jesus. By displaying this love to one another, we reconcile. We reconcile with God, but we also are reconciled to one another, even amidst the racial and cultural and ethnic divisions that exist in this world presently. That's all I've got for us today. But again, thanks for tuning in uh, and check us out next time on Ask a Pastor. All right, we'll see you. Ask a Pastor is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review it in your podcast app? It really does help more listeners find the show. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and Stephen Sanders. Special thanks to Stephen McGarvey for his executive oversight. You can find more faith-affirming podcasts like this one by visiting lifeaudio.com.